Hello and welcome back to another episode of Podular Modcast. This nightmarish little sound ditty. Sound ditty? Is that what we're calling music now? That's what I'm going to call this. This is being um, produced by the Bog the, and the Benjolin from After Later Audio. Uh, this is the audio output of the Bog, which is, uh, it is uh, an updated version of the Erica Synth's Swamp. So it's, a, it's, it's based off of the original Grant Richter Wogglebug um, with a few extra features, and it's uh, compact and a nice 8 HP um, footprint. It's just a really fun module. It's, I usually use it as a modulation source, but right now I'm using its audio outputs. Um, but let me just really quickly, let's, let's turn, I'm using the, uh, the Vertex VCA from Warren, and I'm controlling it with the, the Benjolin, with the two triangle out, uh, oscillators out. So let me turn, the, turn those up. That's some really wacky stuff. But let's just really quick, this is what's happening with the, the Wogglebug. So it'll randomly just produce um, sound. There are three outputs. I'm using two. I'm using the tone and the bog output. And you can you can tune those to each other or get them wildly out of tune and turn up the uh, the the clock rate on that. Let's turn that 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 delay and reverb off. So that's pretty fun. It's just amazing sounds coming out of this thing. And let's uh, plug those those Benjolin inputs or outputs back into that VCA. And I'll turn the mimeophone mix back up, and, and there you go. Just wanted to. I just I was just messing around with this and thought it was really fun, so I thought I'd share it with you. Um, I also want to say thank you to Patchworks, our lovely synth shop here in Seattle. Visit them at patchworks.com, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. You can get yourself a bog and a benjolin there. And once again, thank you to Needham Woodworks for your continued support of Podular Modcast. Let's get into this episode. This week we have an incredible guest. It's Captain Credible, my new friend Daniel. And uh, if you're not familiar with this stuff, I would highly recommend you push pause, go over to his YouTube page, and check it out um, because it's so inspiring. Um, just what a what a unique vision and what work ethic to pull off what he's able to do. And we're going to talk all about that soon. So I'm going to shut about shut up about it now. But one thing I don't want to shut up about is uh, the Patreon page. Thank you so much to everybody who supports Podger the Modcast over at Patreon. And if you would like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here, head over to patreon.com forward slash Modcast. So I've recently started doing bonus episodes. By the time you're listening to this, I will be just about releasing bonus episode seven um, only for patrons. And I'm taking your questions and your, uh, your comments or your proclamations or whatever you really want 
to, to feed me, and I'm going to talk about that on the bonus episode. Um, this week's bonus episode is actually featuring my good friend Stephen Jett, who uh, made an album with me. I, I process his piano playing, um, and, and I, uh, that album is out now on selfcenteredrecords.bandcamp.com, and uh, there's a link in the show description, and it's playing below my voice right now. So, um, yeah, I have him on to answer some of your guys' questions about our process in making this record and what we're going to do in the future um, because we're already starting to work on a new one. Um, what else is there to talk about? I'm on Clubhouse. I don't know. It's it's like a new platform where you can like host little chat rooms. So I'm thinking once I get my bearings on that, I'm going to do um, some exclusive Patreon hangs on Clubhouse. So uh, go download that and find me and hopefully that will be uh, kicking into gear in the next couple days or few weeks or something. Speaking of a few days, uh, I'm going to be going to a place called Cape Disappointment. It's where the uh, Columbia River meets the Pacific Ocean, and I'm going to be camping there for three nights. And you bet your sweet little modulating synthesizers that I am going to bring my <laughs> my synth pack. Uh, the, the backpack field recorder synth. I'm still trying to find the perfect set of modules and the perfect patch for it, but... um. I'm really looking forward to that. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, head over to my YouTube page and check out my uh, my recent adventures on the Seattle Ferry with uh, my, my synth pack as a field recorder. I don't know why I was surprised by this, but everybody wanted to talk to me. I was not expecting that, but it made for some good uh, interactions, which I think makes the, the video kind of fun. And uh, I even had a not so fun interaction with a guy who was absolutely out of his mind. And uh, the video starts off with him yelling at me. So if, uh, if you want to see some confrontation and uh, <laughs> me laughing at him, basically, uh, yeah, head over to my YouTube. I'm going to stop rambling now. I want to get into this episode because I'm so excited to chat with Captain Credible. I figured I'd spend yesterday while I was assembling some modules to um, to just hang out on your YouTube channel. Oh, shit. And um, I've got a lot of stuff I want to ask. I definitely want to talk about the um, the recent, like, micro-bit orchestra and the jamming over, over the internet and all that because that's super fascinating. Um, but I kind of want to get your background first and how you got here. So whatever you think the interesting story of how you got to where you're at now starting as early back as you want how do you end up in this kind of super unique and super innovative and seemingly super challenging neck of electronic <laughs> music and programming and whatnot yeah it's uh i don't know that's this is the kind of question where the every time someone asks me the answer is uh either a little bit or very different because uh -huh. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's been a convoluted process i think getting mm -hmm. which i mean which it is for everybody getting to where they are in life there's no, there's mm -hmm. no sim simple way to get there but but for me i think uh i started off you know interested in music at a very very early age, making music on what was it called, like Magic's Music Maker and Rebirth and things like that. I've never making, heard of that. You've never heard of Magic's? Maybe like Magic's Music Maker is a European thing, but Rebirth, the Propeller had Rebirth. Oh, okay, uh huh, uh huh. The TB three hundred three thing. Um, and and uh, and sat and made like trance and techno music as a kid, and then but but I didn't kind of stop making music ever, and I I started. To, getting really interested in 
in like you know uh, warp records kind of idm music mm-hmm. and more kind of challenging music i think was was what i liked about it i, I like the kind of uh, i think what what really drew me to it then was that i felt like it was a genuine expression of uh, of um, frustration mm-hmm. like hot you know, and stuff like that I wasn't so big into Autechre back then. It was it mm. was Go Plastic by Square Pusher and okay. uh, and Drucks by FX Twin that were the two big mm-hmm. like that just got me hooked mm-hmm. on that kind of stuff. Uh, and I and I was making music. Uh, and I, th- I guess the kind of what I mean where I am right now is is I build loads of musical instruments and and I kind of work with with the whole process of composing and performing musical instruments and the interaction between the artist or the musician and the tools and and i can go on for ages about that but uh but what brought me there i guess was was seeing the way electronic music was performed in norway at the time when i started performing electronic music and the normal way to perform music then was to basically stand on stage with a laptop with winamp and minesweeper on the desktop mm-hmm. and press play uh, on Winamp and start playing Minesweeper and fist punch in the air every now and then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and I, uh, I, didn't, I didn't want to do that, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and, and I think from, a quite, from quite early on, I, I tried to kind of take notes from, from other genres of music, you know, like rock bands, punk bands and jazz musicians where the, where the being at a concert is is an audiovisual experience, and mm-hmm. and and the visuality of of seeing the artists or the musicians use their instruments uh, adds a lot of context, you know, either either subconsciously or consciously to to how you interpret the music and and how easy it is to understand, basically on some kind of abstract level, what's going yeah, on. Definitely. So so that kind of drove me to to want to. Uh, be try to express as much as possible on stage and and also i wanted to be able to interact with with the music as i played it as immediately as possible to be able to kind of uh, you know well basically to improvise and have fun on stage i guess really as well right yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely that's been a struggle of mine with uh, you know i come from more of a rock background and played in a lot of bands um mm-hmm. and then you know getting into performing electronic music and then further into modular performance, I found myself being extremely bored on stage or, or at least feeling like this kind of weird pressure that I was putting on myself that I was like boring other people, even though everybody else on the bill was doing the same thing, you know, uh-huh. like just kind of standing there and fiddling knobs. And um, I think I think something we have in common is a uh, is a desire to uh, to try to make it more visually appealing. And I was wondering if you had any sort of visual arts background or anything like that. It was, I mean, it definitely started off as, as, a, as a desire from, from deep inside my heart to, to, to be able to perform. I mean, it started with wanting to be able to perform live in a en- more engaging and more explanatory way because, you know, IDM wasn't like the thing everyone was listening to in Norway back when I was <laughs> uh-huh. doing this in like 2004, 2005, you know. Um, so I so I really wanted to be able to explain the music and make it an engaging experience. But then as soon as I had started experimenting with that, I, I became very interested in the effect that these instruments that you use that you know that they have on me as a, as an artist and a composer mm-hmm. as well. You know the way it would affect how I how I make the music. So yeah, definitely and and definitely when it comes to being bored on stage, that's something. Uh, 
something that uh, that I've really kind of tried to grab with my most recent instruments, and not that recent actually, because I did I did study at the Academy of Fine Arts recently, but that okay. was kind okay. of you know after after I'd fully formed as a musician, it feels like. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And well, was um, there was there a specific <clears throat> focus when you were at the Fine Arts Academy? It was, uh, it was a bit vague, <laughs> I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was like uh, sound arts and sculptures and sound installations, but also just you know making music and performing and and you know. But at the time, I was at uh, touring way too much, so I I wasn't really at the school a whole lot. I I had I had to you know I had not enough presence in in all the different classes uh, mm-hmm. to really be allowed to pass. But because it's the Academy of Fine Arts, then that's okay. They expect you to do that, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but it meant that, that, you know, there's probably a lot of uh, facilities and knowledge that I kind of missed because I was uh, too busy doing other stuff. Uh, right. But yeah, it was like, I, while I was there, I built a lot of interactive sound installations and uh, and made some like contemporary music and stuff like that. Stuff that was, you know, I, I really, it's genuinely stuff I enjoyed and still still think is good stuff now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so did you, because I, I, I um, know from your videos that you have some like uh, sound art installations, like interactive installations, like instruments slash um you know, yeah, just just art pieces. Um, did that is that stuff from when you were in the school, or did that continue on past graduation? It's it's all all before and during and after, really. So I, okay. I think the first sculptures and installations I made were also like probably back in two thousand and nine, two thousand and eight. Okay, so you've been at it for a while. I was curious um, about how like the avenue that you found your way into doing like installations in in museums like like the ones that you've done and i'm like it i was start i was wondering is this something unique about norway or are they more interested in stuff like this because like i just outside of like maybe like brooklyn or san francisco i don't think you see a lot of stuff like what you were you were doing yeah um, yeah i don't know i think uh those the installations that are in museums now and i'm also i've got another commission to build a third one so there's two like big scale installations on walls in in museums uh of these robotic orchestras and and the main drive for these museums to to install that is is a there's there's many is many fold i guess but but one of the important factors is that the the school curriculum in Norway has has started to take on uh, programming uh, a lot more seriously than it has before. Mm-hmm. So it's been put into existing subjects at school. It's been put into maths and uh, some some other subjects <laughs> and uh-huh. mu- and music amongst other subjects. Okay. Uh, okay. Which I think is just absolutely brilliant and a, and a really great way to, to teach programming really is, is, and also vice versa. I mean, it's a great way to introduce people to music and, and artistic expression. And it's a good way to, to kind of present the value of being able to exp- express yourself in a language which programming is um, mm-hmm. for for other means than just to solve a kind of problem that somebody has given you to if you have the goal of, of artistic expression uh, at least this that's what's been interesting to me <laughs> that's, right yeah uh, if I was gonna take under programming I would have to approach it from some sort of like you know creative endeavor like 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 especially music or something because I think mm-hmm. 
I would just, you know, gloss over if I was learning how to like build a website or something. Um, but so are you self-taught with programming then? Yeah, I guess I am. I think I learned programming uh, when I worked in a museum, <laughs> yeah. in, in, a, in a very quiet museum in Trondheim, uh, where there weren't a lot of people coming in the door. So I would spend all day on the internet reading <laughs> about programming and electronics, and then I'd go home in the evenings and try to apply the things I'd learned during the day. And uh, and that was like when Arduino was was new and fresh, and people, okay. you know, it was really mm -hmm. at the at the dawn of the kind of Arduino revolution, where suddenly uh, programming microcontrollers became accessible to people that didn't already you know, have a degree in uh, computer science or uh, microcontrollers or stuff like that. Okay. Mm. Okay. I want to just derail really quick because I'm just so curious. Um, if you didn't tell me you're from Norway, I would think you're from Ireland. Uh -huh. Did you spend time in Ireland? You have an Irish parent or did you just learn? Born in uh, Newcastle upon Tyne. Uh, my parents are English. Uh, okay. I just have a really bad English accent because I've not really <laughs> lived in Britain because we moved uh -huh. to Norway when I was two slash three years old, somewhere around there. This is, I can never remember. One thing that uh -huh. I want to be uh, I want to be transparent about is that my memory, especially when it comes to years, numbers, dates, things like that, is probably you know amongst the worst you could <laughs> possibly have. Yeah, yeah. So, so num don't don't take any numbers as fact <laughs> from me. <laughs> I feel like it's I'm kinda, probably the same way. <laughs> uh, it's like vague, uh, and and you know, and even you know that when I when I moved to Norway, I I can't remember what that date or yeah. was at all. But as a very young child, I moved to Norway. Uh, okay. So I've only really spoken English with my parents and now my own children. Oh, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. How many kids do you have? <clears throat> only two. Okay, right on. Hmm. Are they into uh, Are they into the the music stuff? Yeah, they are. Uh, it's it's a difficult. Uh, it's difficult. I, you know, I try not to kind of coax them into listening to cool music, and try not to be too kind <laughs> of, uh, you know, uh, off putting when it comes to what I consider to be not so great music. Uh, but I mean, they do. They like like the stuff I like. They like to listen to that in the car, and and okay. they also used to be huge fans of Tchaikovsky, which I thought oh. was uh, fine. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you seen the... I, I have one, but it's in the background. The Blip Blocks? That little synth for kids? Oh, that's what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's pretty cool. It's actually really fun not for adults, too. Um, yeah. yeah, you should look into that for them. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a friend that has one of those. Someone was talking to me about that the other day, and I, I, I thought it was something else. But now, yeah, yeah, I know what it is. It's, it is fun. It's pretty fun. Mm. Um, and then one other thing I kind of wanted to talk outside of the musical realm. I wanted to talk about, I'm curious about your, your comedic influences. Because I feel like the, the style of comedy that you bring to your, um, your videos seems like very natural. It feels, seems very much like your personality. And I, I, I like it seems authentic and like it's part of you and it seems like deeply entrenched. And I feel like I connect with it in a lot of ways because it, it reminds me of a lot of stuff that has been very influential on me musically and just art wise. But I don't want to say what it is because I have some, I have some suspicions. Uh, but I don't, I don't know <laughs> if I'm right. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think for me, the comedy side of of both like music and video making and and live performances, I'd I'd put a lot of kind of stand up in inverted commas in between tracks, uh, you know, in uh-huh. between playing songs and also in you know in the songs, a lot of a lot of the of pieces that I perform are kind of borderline sketches, really. Because uh-huh, I think uh-huh. that's a, a very interesting realm of of music. Really, is the is exploring the comedic aspects of music. I totally uh, agree. Because comedy is, comedy has so many facets and and can be done in so many ways. And it can be all those facets can be explored in in music as a kind of abstract approach to it. I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and as a way of making it not seem so precious and so um, like. I don't know. Yeah, just precious. You know, it, it adds a, a. I feel like I like to add a little bit of comedy to almost everything I do to add a level of self awareness and being like, look, I'm not taking myself too seriously because I don't take much anything too seriously because that's just like, there's no sense in that. You know, like, hmm. I just I feel like I get that vibe from from your stuff. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <To be honest. laughs> because that is that is a really really important thing to me that it's easy to forget especially when when right right now i'm working on a commissioned piece which is like supposed to be is is contemporary music is what it says on the application mm-hmm. you know and and yeah. that brings with it like a lot of uh, expectations uh i feel and and like uh, presumptions of what it's of how it's going to be, like stereotypes of music more more like uh mm-hmm. which I'm really, you know, I I know like objectively that I don't I don't really want to pay any attention to that, uh, but it's difficult to uh, to employ that thought in real life, and it, it it's a process I think that I have to get through. And when I think about it, I mean that that has that has been one of the the base premises of the Captain Credible kind of uh, entity to call it that mm-hmm. has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, just everything goes. Uh, don't don't take yourself too seriously, and nothing is too gimmicky or too wrong. You know, it can be silly, it can be, you know, predictable, it can be completely insane, and and just try to make music for for me and not mm-hmm. for what I think other people want from me. And and that freedom, you know, that the freedom it gives you when you manage to take that step and manage to actually actually, you know, follow those rules uh is is very inspiring, I think, and uh it allows you to be uh so much more creative than yeah, uh, absolutely. when you have these these boundaries. But it can be difficult to it can be difficult to break those mental boundaries. So and that that kind of brings me to the comedy aspects of it as well because because I never really planned for comedy to be a part of the live shows and to be a part of the music in in such a kind of explicit sense. It was more like you know the music was was silly and didn't take itself seriously. But like to to be comedic wasn't really uh, the plan to begin with. But but it came as a very natural thing when I put myself in that situation on stage with all this crazy homemade musical instruments and mm-hmm. and the music that I had made. It just that's just what happened and and that comes across very naturally that's what i was drawn to about it yeah is it didn't seem like you were trying to write bits it seems like you almost the bits were coming out of your mouth as you were recording yourself yeah which is a lot of the way i do a lot of the comedic shit i do it's just like i just do a bunch of different takes and whatever happens that i think is the funniest and works the best i kind of use that 
exactly know? yeah and i think that's the only way i can do comedy if i try if i try to script things uh, i'm not a good enough actor to make that work that's all (laughs) (laughs) i guess i I script some of my my i i've lately i've had this problem and i want to see i want to see your take on this i've had this kind of like nagging thing about this this term sinfluencer that's going around and i've seen some you know some pretty negative comments on stuff i've i've been a part of with uh, you know other quote-unquote sinfluencers you know saying like oh you know the how it's problematic that companies are giving these people gear and they're like, I don't know. But like what I, what I've tried to do is like, not, I've tried to find my own way of making it fun and artistic and like my own, if it is, if I am doing a, like a a product demo, like lately I've just been making short absurd films about them rather than doing a demo about them. Okay. I've not seen, I've not seen these. I need to check them out. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you some links. Um, but I feel like there's a part of me that feels like even doing this podcast, there's a part of me that feels like I'm in this realm of kind of this culture of this internet culture that I think is kind of gross in a way like this, like, like this influencer, you know, trying to get likes and subscribes and and all that. But it's like, it's also kind of my job. So I have to like, it's, it is important to get that. It's always this kind of battle for me. And that's where I think comedy really keeps me anchored and keeps me honest with myself about how deep I'm getting into it and everything. And I'm just, I'm curious if you have any thoughts about that rambling that I just did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think in, in the, in the sense, I mean, when it comes to being given gear, uh, with expectations of reviewing it, uh, I think, I think you have to be living under a rock not to expect that when you when you're researching something you know on the internet when you when I would mm-hmm. like oh what's this new piece of hardware I want to get people's feedback uh, you know and often people will say you know I was given this gear or not and and even if you haven't even if you bought the gear there's the, the person that's bought the gear is still going to be biased towards giving it a positive review especially if it's expensive you know because of the sunk cost fallacy so so i think that i don't i don't find that problematic at all i i think that you know if you if you go in and and listen to somebody's review of something then it's better to have reviews that are overly positive that you can kind of uh, predict Mm -hmm. how uh, overly positive they are than reviews that are overly negative uh, for the same reasons, you know, to to get uh, which which is kind of I guess right. maybe more the norm in uh, in music critiquing and things like that. So yeah, no, I think uh, I think that's cool. Yeah, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. But I do want to go back to the comedic influences. If you have any specifics. Oh yeah, I forgot to name drop them. <laughs> so I mean, the, I mean, growing up, of course, it's been like Monty Python and you know cultural mm-hmm. heritage from from that side of the pond. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, Ricky Gervais was a huge uh, influence at one point, and then of course the Tim and Eric uh, Awesome Show and the whole yep. both the aesthetic and uh, you know all aspects of of the comedy there really hit home with me. So that's mm-hmm. uh, and also like a Space Ghost Coast to Coast. I remember uh-huh. watching in C Lab where that has a lot C-Lab, of C Lab. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So there's plenty of references, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tim and Eric, and uh, specifically Doug Loosenhop, D- mm-hmm. DJ Doug Pound, that's what I was kind of picking up on from your stuff. Um, and I just actually talked to 
to DJ Dud Pound on the show not too long ago. Yeah, so, I heard yeah. that episode. It was uh, very, very interesting. I hadn't. It it made me realize how much of the, of what I really enjoy about that show was was down to him, really. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. I, I I realized that like much later in the my Tim and Eric. Actually, this is how much of a Tim and Eric nerd I am. Nice. <laughs> I've got a really bad Tim and Eric tattoo. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, he definitely, and even that, like that editing style and kind of like using noise as comedy hmm. and like harsh noise, like I think that really broke down walls for me to hmm. get into more experimental music and art in general. Yeah, yeah, and it's very easy. I mean, also after after listening to that episode, is is a lot easier to see the kind of blatant links between that kind of comedy and the kind of music that I'm interested in with, with uh-huh. you know, with the affix twin and square pressure and, and the, the aspects of that music that I enjoy the most are the moments where you're completely surprised by something that's going to happen. Definitely. The, the jarring moments. Definitely. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Um, Okay, sweet. Well, uh, some of my suspicions were correct. Mm. That's, that's always fun. I want to talk about like, this the the microbit orchestra and i know you 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 actually detail it really well in the video but just for people who haven't seen the video yet like i i kind of want to know like from the the genesis the birth of this idea to the end like because it seems like a monumental task that if you would have told me before you did it that you were going to try to do this i would have been like this is going to be a headache from you and i don't think you're going to be able to pull it off but it seems like you pulled it off pretty successfully Pretty, yeah, yeah. It was a headache. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't easy to pull off, and the hurdles were many. Uh, and I think, like the main, the main hurdle was that the the hardware that I wanted to do it with, and this was because uh, the microbit was becoming more and more popular as a platform to teach programming for kids around the world. So, and and I've I'm all, I've always been very interested in teaching the skills that I kind of taught myself to other people mm-hmm. and and wanted to help, you know, educate people and be knowledgeable about the technology that we surround us with ourselves with because I think it's it's extremely useful, you know, for people just as a human being to to have an understanding of the world you exist in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also from the, you know, the the uh, artistic expression point of view i think that's a, an important uh, skill to have uh, so so i've always liked teaching uh, programming and electronics and held workshops and stuff in that are music uh, oriented because that's kind of my passionate angle on the whole thing is is making things to to express myself musically so that's why i wanted to use this microbit because that's what the kids were using to learn programming uh, already in in norway okay. And Europe, really, uh, largely. I don't, know, I don't know if it's used at all in the States yet. Uh, but it's basically, it's like an Arduino, but simplified in many ways. Uh, and it's, uh, it, you can program it to do a bunch of things. It has some built-in LEDs. It, it has uh, some pins that you have to connect. You know, have to kind of slot it into an edge connector to, to use the pins. Uh, and it has radio communication. It has Bluetooth radio communication, uh, which you can use to kind of send... Uh, really simple messages between microbits and make kind of a, a network of them so to speak although that also has its its massive uh, challenges if you want to do mm. it properly uh so that was kind of the premise and and then the museum that i that i in oslo that i was already kind of doing workshops for here and there and now and then and playing concerts for uh, 
uh, now and then. Uh, they, they, I think I just told them that I think it would be cool if I made this installation. And then they said, okay, uh, here's a budget, uh, make the installation um, to simplify it. <laughs> That's what they said. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, so, so I wanted to make an installation where students or people in the audience could uh, program their little micro bits to send radio messages to the installation on the wall, which is synthesizers and robotic arms playing drum kits and, you know, bowls and glasses and cups and xylophones and all kinds of different circuitry that makes sound um, mm -hmm. and control it in a musical fashion, but also to have it so because you're going to have lots of people using it at the same time, you know, you're gonna have a classroom full of kids. So I wanted to make it so that everybody in the class could control it uh, in a musical sense, but synchronized with each other so that you could kind of jam together and then there mm -hmm. would be some underlying code that would make sure that things are in time. So everything, all the jamming is synchronized so you can play on the instruments together. Uh, but I also wanted it to be uh, an, arts, an art installation. I wanted it to be, you know, aesthetically interesting and I wanted it to be able, you know, to be usable to write compositions for and to play concerts on. So, so uh, from the start, I really wanted it to have uh, the possibility for people to interact with it in a very simple, raw coding way, and then to be able to interact in a slightly more uh, complicated, abstracted manner in synchronizing with each other and, and mucking about. But I also wanted it to be controllable from a door uh, so that you can actually compose music and, and play, mm -hmm. you know, proper in inverted commas music on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I realized when I said that you pulled it off pretty successfully, I didn't mean, I, I meant extremely, like it seemed like it was extraordinarily successful and I used the word pretty. So I've been sitting here beating myself up for that the whole time. Um, so yeah, it, I think it, it has its problems. Thing, it really yeah. has its problems. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's why I, I said like, if you were to tell me about it before you did it, that I'd be like, I don't know if that's possible. And I think the genius thing of, of writing the code to keep it all in time, obviously was like probably a huge anchor to keep it kind of like not becoming a, a total, total mess. But like, was this a pre pandemic idea? Cause you're talking about people in a classroom, but you ended up doing it live over the internet. And that's the part to me that seems like would have been extraordinarily hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I built the installation, here comes a number <laughs> three years ago, the one in Oslo. Okay. Uh -huh. And then I built one in, in the North of Norway in a place called Tromsø, uh, which is a little bit bigger and better. Cause you know, I'd learned from the first one, <laughs> uh, uh -huh. about one and a half years ago. And now I'm building okay. my third one. So, so when I first built the one in Oslo, it didn't have the internet thing. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and it was, uh, you know, together with the installation, I, delivered like some com some compositions and a, a a concert you know an opening concert and i've since done m numerous concerts on that installation and other installations uh and also uh, a slew of uh what would you call it like ped you know I, it sounds like i'm good at speaking english but i don't talk a lot of english uh in my day-to-day -day <laughs> life so there's i'm struggling uh -huh. to find words a lot of the time uh, -huh. uh a pedagogic kind of thing to do. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> don't like, worry, a lot of English speakers don't even know what that word is, so. 
so so yeah so i delivered a bunch of kind of activities pedagogic activities we could call them um along with the installation uh, which are done with with classes of up to 32 students i think was the number i landed on in groups mm-hmm. of two so there's like 16 groups of two and this is for like timeshare of the radio message system to make everything synchronized nicely without uh-huh. too much latency yeah so that was yeah so it was definitely made to be interacted with uh, in real life and then since then i've added things to the i've had the mu- the installation in the museum in oslo as kind of a guinea pig for all the kind of extra things that i want to add uh, and then, of course, the last, the latest thing I've added is this uh, internet connectivity system where you can make your sequences, make uh, patterns of like melodies or, or rhythms on the internet, and then submit them to a server. And then there's a unit in the installation that fetches these sequences from the server and then plays the sequences uh, synchronized with other music that is being played on the installation at that time, kind of thing. So. Are you building kind of your own, like, like um, I used I used to do uh, low voltage electrician work, and I would build out, you know, I would pull all the Cat six wire and and pull it all back to the what we call the IDF, the mainframe, basically. Like, are you building your own miniature version of like an office's internet system, like for your own? server like next to your setup or are you using a museum server room for it or like how how is that working yeah that's uh because the museum is a little bit touchy as you would be as a museum about you uh-huh. know allowing connections incoming connections to their network so mm-hmm. the way it's set up is for a start is it's made in a way that makes it as far as you know my limited knowledge of internet security uh says it's it's impossible to kind of gain access to the network from outside because the the device that is is doing you know is playing this stuff in the installation and that is getting these sequences is is a client no sorry okay yeah that's the word i'm looking for yeah it's not a server it's a client and it, it sends get requests to a server so it's it's like you know being on the having a computer that's on the internet there um okay so so that's just a simple box but uh but it is on its very own network there uh mainly because it's it'll it won't do 5g uh wi-fi uh, the box I built, I found that out after I'd finished building it. <laughs> so they had they had to put a a, a, a new Wi-Fi router in, or what's it called, uh, Wi-Fi thingy, uh, and uh-huh. that it could talk with. Uh, but yeah, that is very little internet stuff. And then all the communication between these these microbits and stuff is just Bluetooth communication. And these are all fire and forget messages, meaning there's no kind of error correction or or you know detection of any kind. You send a radio message to play a sound and. If that radio message doesn't get there, then tough. It you know that just disappears into okay. the black void of uh, space, which is actually I like I like that a little bit because it it I like variation and unpredictedness in music, and this adds variation and unpredictedness in music. The fact that some of these radio messages just don't go where they want to go. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, hmm. I'm. Okay, so I don't know. I'm curious. Can you kind of compare and contrast um, the the user experience from your end of performing this concert to what it might be like for somebody who's sending these sequences from their home? 
you know, like during a live stream, like, like this jam session that's happening. Like, I know you're the one performing it there, so I don't know how much experience you have from the outside, but like, if I, if I was jamming from home and I sent in my sequence, how easy is it for me to know when that sequence happens? Well, the way like, Oh, there was my bit. Yeah. I, I set it up with, uh, there's a, there's a server that tracks everything, you know, it, well, tracks everything. It knows what was the last sequence that was fetched, basically. So I've, and I've wrote a bunch of JavaScript stuff, which is, you know, I had to learn JavaScript for, for this project. So it's very poorly written, most of it. But uh, to do a bunch of kind of overlay things for the stream. So, so in the stream, there's a picture-in-picture picture of the instrument that's being played or instruments if there's multiple ones being played and then there's also an overlay of a kind of uh, list of the next uh, next sequences that are going to be played or the next kind of rhythms and melodies that are going to be played with the names that were submitted along with them uh, and also you know what's playing now so that when you're watching and you you make a sequence and you send it in you'll see it pop up on the kind of queue that's the name of the list and, and okay. then you'll see when okay. your uh-huh. when your sequence gets to the top of the queue, and then you'll be able to hear your sequence, and you'll be able to see a, a video, you know, picture-in-picture image of the actual installation instrument that is playing your sequence while it's being played, on top of my screaming and flailing my arms around and making all the loads of noise on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so. They've got this queue, they're sending information in, but you're obviously controlling a lot of stuff too. Um, are you kind of, do you have your, like your bit of kit that you're controlling and then they have their own or is it kind of how, how separated are, are you from the, the collaborators as far as like the actual pieces of music? I do, I do have like the kind of final say, a kind of curatorial, uh, point of, uh, view when it comes to the sequences that are being sent in from the internet in in this kind of thing and i have and also when because i do i do these concerts where we build robots uh, where all the participants build their robots that make music and then at the end of the concert uh, end of the workshop we we play a jam concert or jam session together which kind of transitions into me playing a concert and then during certain periods of the concerts uh-huh. Uh, they're invited to play along on their robots using their their control units. And oh, nice! So, I, so I have a I've got a this uh-huh. bag here actually. The the whole installation is kind of tr- I tried to structure it around uh, how uh, a traditional uh, orchestra works. So there's there's uh, there's. Uh-huh instruments which are the actual things on the wall and then there's musicians which are things that control the instruments wirelessly so that's the the devices that students program but they may also have actually programmed and built an instrument in addition to their musician and then there's the conductor which is is this box here which which sends out uh, okay. you know when it's playing it'll send out uh, a clock one two three four five six seven eight which all the other musicians will synchronize to uh, and it also it can also control all these instruments directly, and it can turn instruments, you know, the instruments on the wall. It can turn them on and off, mute them uh, effectively, but it can also uh-huh. turn the different musicians on or off. So effectively, like say, only Eric and Paul's uh, composition is being played at the moment, and you know, solo different musicians, uh, and uh, and I can of course then also decide whether or not compositions 
from the internet are being played or not, or whether I override that or play play on top of what people are playing on the internet. I can do all kinds of annoying things while this people seems, are trying to. <laughs> I, it seems like so incredibly complicated that I don't believe that one person could do all this stuff. It's just like it. I don't know. I just it's so it's it's very impressive. It's very cool, and it's it seems like. I mean, obviously, you super, you've got to enjoy it on a on a very high level because I don't think you'd put that much work into it if you didn't. Yeah, um, you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also, you know, like this kind of makes me wonder about, especially with the the pandemic. It, it seems like it really strengthened, at least here in the states, or at least the modular community that I'm part of. It really. We had our own, like, you know, our, our citywide communities that, you know, we knew people from other, the other states, you know, um, and you, their synth societies and stuff. But after the pandemic, because everything was virtual, we were able to just kind of like coalesce and like combine all these different, um, you know, synth societies into this kind of greater organism. Um, it seems like of course live music will come back and everybody's going to you know want to go out to these shows but i feel like there's going to be a level of this live stream thing that really took off that's going to stay i think it's kind of i think that's going to be one of the big changes um that's going to i mean yeah. i wouldn't but have you thought about that in the context of what you do like um just with live performance and everything yeah i have i mean i, I think definitely definitely has come to stay and there will be a, a lot of uh of performances and a lot of you know i hate to use the word content <laughs> uh, yeah. but you know there's going to be a lot of uh of of artistic expression that that is going to use that medium coming forward uh and i think that's a good thing because I, I think it, it means it it uh, makes the threshold a lot lower for uh for entering into a space where you can perform for each other and it and it enables a lot of people uh, that either won't, wouldn't be willing to perform live on a stage or don't have yeah. the possibility to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, it's, and it's also, uh, you know, a medium that is very young, I think, and, and there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of experimentation, and that was kind of a lot of the idea behind this internet-connected uh, microbit orchestra thing, to, to see, you know, how far into, the, into my world can I manage to draw the audience on the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think definitely it's, it's got a lot of good sides. Uh, that being said, I don't particularly enjoy playing live stream concerts. Yeah, me, me neither. <laughs> there's, there's, there's really, uh, you know, just to have a real bunch of bags of meat in front of you that are that you can read the emotional response from and have mm. that fuel you in in some kind of, you know, religious way <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah. you know, it it's transcendental, I think, and it's it's so important to the creative process for me is I've, I've done a lot of thinking about music and creative processes and things like that. And mm -hmm. I've, I'm, I'm of the understanding that, that the art that I make and that everybody makes is, is a product of me, of my creative input and the tools that I use that are affecting me and I'm affecting them and, and vice versa, but also by the audience that I perform for and the, the observer, which 
going back to to what we were talking about earlier about wanting to really try and make music for myself and not heed too much to the to the audience and the expectations there's no getting away from our hardwired brains and our uh, you know our natural desire to to want to please others and to fit into a crowd so th- so that is going to affect you and in a live situation uh it'll usually affect me in a very positive way and uh, i don't know because because a lot of the time it's not just wanting to please the audience either uh for me at least it's also Mm -hmm. a desire to surprise and offend the audience i think that mm-hmm. that is a very kind of uh, inspirational creative driver in in playing a concert for people so so yeah to kind of fuck shit up for them i don't i forgot to yeah. ask if i can say fuck sorry have you absolutely <laughs> fucking can um yeah it's, it's like a story arc you know yeah, yeah. You, you got you know that's that's kind of how i i picture live performance and yeah that's the i mean i i keep what i've been doing for the past like few months is just consuming live performances on YouTube. I'm just watching all these bands that I, and my, you know, my wife and I have this list of like, these are the bands that we're going to see. Like, we're going to like back, like I can't wait for live music and it's, and I can't wait to play live music. And it's for that, what you're talking about. It's just this, it's communal. And, and I, I love that you use the word religious because it, that's as close to a religion as I, you know, that and going out into nature to me, you know, just like, Hmm. it's just like the community aspect of it, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, I really, I really miss that. Yeah. Yeah, It'll come back. And, and as I said, the, the whole live streaming, uh, and internet interaction is, is something valuable as well. It's just something very Mm. different, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I, we would be doing this on zoom pandemic or not because you're in Norway and I'm in Seattle. I try to do them in person as often as I can, but this has been a really great lifeline for me through the pandemic Mm. is talking. I have novel conversations every week with new people. Um, so that, that's been really nice. Um, and it's, it kind it's kind of like something I've just been thinking about recently is how it really speaks to the adaptability of our brains, you know, that I can walk away from this conversation when it's over having my day been enriched and feeling that sense of connection and stuff, even though it is through a screen. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Like, yeah. Um, so I, I, it will never replace it. It is different, but it is. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I can't. And like you said, it is young. It's so young. It is. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to really the, the way we're hardwired to read our surroundings and to read other members of the pack, so to speak. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and and when we're like like now, we've got a video feed of each other and that makes it a, quite a lot easier to kind of feel connected to another person and communicate mm-hmm. on, on more than just a kind of verbal level. Uh, and, and in a, you know, I'm... If you were to fill the room where you have a concert with computer displays showing the people that you are <laughs> playing concert for, you know, that would be a tiny step in the right direction. Uh-huh. But there is that this... sounds like something maybe you've thought about doing. <laughs> <laughs> what a nightmare. Eh? <laughs> But but there's so much data. There is so much data transmitted between people and between yeah. groups. And there's so much data you read about a group of people when you're, especially when you're standing on stage in front of them, that you just yeah. can't fit through an Ethernet cable. 
right, uh, right. Uh, and when you can do that then I think live streaming concerts will be better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that we'll live to see that, but who knows? Yeah. Um, well, we're like closing in on an hour. I wanted to uh, make sure to give the last little bit to you to make sure that we could cover anything that you are maybe working on that you want to talk about or, um, you know, is any, anything that we haven't, uh, that maybe we brushed by or anything like that? I don't know. I'm, I'm working on so many things in parallel, really, at the moment. I've got, mm-hmm. I mean, I've got this uh, trilogy of generative uh, musical releases. So I've been, I've been releasing all my music as uh, circuit boards that uh, when you connect your headphones to them, they will generate music on the fly that, that you can hear in your headphones. Uh, and they've also, the, the last two have been, uh, so that they, the first one generated an infinitely long song that was unique for every copy. So every copy of the circuit board would have its own infinitely long song, infinitely in inverted commas, because in <laughs> theory, it, from what I understand of the way physicists uh, view the universe, it would loop at some point. Before it got okay. there, though, the batteries would run out. And, and also the heat death of the universe would occur. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so each copy would make its infinitely long song. And, uh, and, but, but it would be like, you know, if you've listened to the circuit board for uh, two and a half hours or a day and two and a half hours and then a really cool bit came on, then if you wanted to hear that cool bit again, all you have to do is unplug uh, your headphones, plug them back in, and then wait for a day and two hours, and then that exact same part would come again. So it would be like the same infinitely oh, long okay. composition. Okay. And then I made the second one, which was with, where uh, every time you connect your headphones to the second circuit board, which is well, the first one was called Dead Cats, the second one's called Fantasy Mansion. And I should also mention that that these EP releases, there there's like five or six tracks that you download, and then there's one track uh, that is uh, uniquely generated by the circuit board. And on the second uh, version of these EPs, the the Fantasy Mansion, it would be every time you plug your headphones in, it would generate a completely new infinitely long song. So okay, okay. No getting back to your old song. And also, <clears throat> it invites you to create your own melodies, your own 64 step uh, melodies with like. Uh, melody bass line and drums and the drums are also procedurally generated so it's not like samples it's like a, it's what's called one liner uh, c code uh, with bit shift math to kind of make make noises <laughs> that kind of sound like percussion um but what it would do if you do compose music on it is is it would alter the music that you made uh you know maybe transpose it up or down or take some notes away put some notes in there delete the drums add new drums or just sometimes just delete everything you've done and make something itself uh so th- so the idea is that you've got this instrument uh that that neither you are in control of uh, but it's not the hardware that's in control either because you're pushing the buttons and it's also not me as the creator of the hardware that is in control uh which kind of i think that kind of is is putting the finger on in the in the best sense i've managed to so far what i find interesting about composition and and artistic expression is is the meeting point between all the involved parties, the the tools for making the expression uh-huh. and the artist that has made the work or the tools and, and the audience that is listening, you know, and and who is the creator of the artwork and where the artwork is experienced is and how... Yeah. <laughs> 
weird to say that weird that I said put my finger on exactly where it is because the whole point is that it's it's impossible uh, uh-huh. <laughs> to put your finger on. It's like a big grey cloud of uh, of uh, a probability cloud. Uh, yeah. So so one thing I'm working on is is the third uh, third installation of this series of uh, circuit boards, generative circuit board EP releases, uh, which has to kind of uh, top the last two. Uh, in in sense in the in, uh, in complexity at least. Um, what is that just a personal thing? Like if if it doesn't, then you feel like it's it's it doesn't it's not right or it's it's not. Cr- I don't know. I think I think uh, yeah. I get it. It's, I do it that kind of shit to my own work, so yeah. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but when it when I think about it, really, it doesn't. For my own sake, it just has to be. It has to be interesting and new. It doesn't have to really be like a right. more impressive technical achievement. It just has to be more impressive on some kind of level, you know, wh- whether it's like a novel idea, whether it's more purist, whether it's, you know, yeah, yeah, ridiculously yeah. overcomplicated. Wh- whatever, like if I'm more excited, whatever I'm most excited about, like lately I've turned my, my modular synth into a, uh, into a field recorder. Actually, I got to show you yeah. this. Hold on one second. Wow, I like that. Shit. So for those of you listening, oh, just it just fell over. Did it I fall just, over? Fall over cable yeah. side or on his back? It fell over cable side, but luckily it's back far enough on the uh, the pack that I think it's all right. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I bought this external frame pack that I could strap my synth to, and I just went and walked around a, a ferry oh, yeah. and recorded it, recorded sound. So like. The reason I bring that up is like, I, I feel like this is my new thing. This is what I'm interested in right yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. But a month ago, it was something slightly different. And yeah. in two months, it'll be different than this, you know, like, and as long as it's whatever I'm super excited about, that's, that's all that matters to me. It sounds like maybe that's kind of similar with you and your releases. Yeah. It's just that I'm constantly confused about what it is I am super interested in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I mean, I've really, because I've, I'm starting a month now of, because I've got this commissioned piece that I have to actually compose. And, and it's the first time in a while where I've actually, I have a deadline. I have to compose some music for a deadline. Because uh, recently I've been doing a lot of like coding. I mean, I've been doing a lot of creative work, but it's been a lot of like programming, video work, uh, building instruments, planning like overly elaborate ways of holding concerts and uh, making life difficult for myself on stage which is <laughs> which is actually that's how that's how I make music I think really if I if I uh, was if to if you want a quote on how to make music it is <laughs> I I build complicated machines and I put myself on stage in front of the complicated machines uh in front of an audience and by just putting I don't practice I don't know if that's normal to do, but I, do, I don't practice. Mm-hmm. I just I just build build the instruments and put myself in the situation where I have to perform <laughs> on the instruments. Yeah, and, and I, that's that's uh, really fun. That is where the excitement happens. I do that with modular. I build the. I mean, obviously, I'm practicing it in a sense because I'm building the patch. Um, but I will run my set, you know, once maybe twice, like an hour before I leave my house to go play the show, uh, and. I think part of that is like, if I know exactly what I, what knob I'm turning at what point in time, like I will just be terribly bored. So yeah. I need a little bit of pressure of like I could fuck up, and I got if I dig my if I find a hole, I, if I dig myself in a hole, I got to get out, you know. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I can't bring myself to do that either. I can't bring myself to play through a set when there's no audience there. And I think it's because coming back to the, to the focus on on the audience as an integral part of the of the artistic expression, you know, of the piece, it, it feels like if I pr- practice it ahead of time, for one, it isn't the same piece of music because the audience is missing. And for two, it feels like I'm kind of ruining it for myself in the future that, <laughs> that I might like, I might be playing the wrong piece of music because, because the audience is there, but I'm playing the music that is without an audience. That uh-huh. was, sounds, <laughs> sounds like I'm high when I say it like that, doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah, well, I so I like, I like to put myself in that situation. And also, to, to kind of heighten it, the, the, the last instruments I've, I've built that I use all the time now is, are these semi-transparent acrylic uh, pyramids, basically. They're not really pyramids, they're tetrahedrons. There's uh-huh. a huge difference, actually. <laughs> uh, with with uh, RGB blinking LEDs inside. And when, when the, like, the room's dark and you've got instruments that literally are flashing in your face as you're playing them, uh, there's no, there's no better way to like channel your focus and and get excited <laughs> about what you're doing than, uh-huh. yeah, than playing yeah. on stage <laughs> totally un well not totally unprepared but as unprepared as 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 I usually am which is actually totally mm-hmm. unprepared usually um, <laughs> and with instruments it's like that are it's like corralled chaos yeah like that's that's kind of how I look at my my artistic my approach to just about everything in life is just like. I know the ways that I, in which I am chaotic. So if I draw a, a big boundary around that, I can kind of predict it a little bit and guide it. Yeah, exactly. Or at least maybe that's what I tell myself to feel better about my uh, lack of organization skills. And um, I think I think that's uh, I mean, there's a, I realize now that this is modular modcast, and and I've I've not got really much modular gear at all, you know, in the in, in the mm-hmm. sense of Eurorack and everything. But I I do build all my instruments. Uh, to work in a modular fashion. So I have like different boxes right. that are connected to other boxes, uh, which is part of the whole like explanatory way of playing a concert. You see, I hold twiddle this box, you hear that sound, you can kind of understand what's going on to a greater extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think but I think that sense of, of putting yourself in a situation where a lot can go wrong, uh, it kind of translates a lot uh, to, to how most modular uh, synth uh, live performing artists uh, do it as well and I, and I think mm-hmm. I'm going to sound like I'm on a rant now but I, th- I can kind of draw the parallel to other things I'm interested in which is like skateboarding as well where we put oh nice. I skate as well putting putting yourself in a situation where the uh, risk is high and and where where you're likely to screw up and if you screw up uh-huh. it's going to hurt uh, <laughs> is exhilarating I guess yeah, <laughs> I think that's definitely. No, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I've heard many people say that that's what they like about performing with modular is they're, they're you know, and some people like the adrenaline of just performance in, in general, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so, yeah, I think there's there's something to that. Like people who are into that feeling that we like about this more intensely are the ones who jump off bridges with bungee cords attached to their ankles or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, maybe it's the same spectrum. Just they're a little more extreme. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hmm. Um, right on. Well, we are at an hour and, uh, I, uh, are you, do you want to do the, uh, the patch challenge, quote unquote patch challenge? It's where I would give you a random word. You know what? Yeah, Uh I do. I want to make some music though. (laughs) 
because uh, that's what I'm kind of doing this month is uh, yeah. making music. So yeah, yeah. I'll uh, I will get you a random adjective and noun pairing, and then you can just create uh, whatever piece of music you think fits that. Let me pull out my random adjective and noun generator here. Nice. And let's see. Let's do it. Sometimes it takes a minute to get. Oh, repetitive cries. That's kind of fun. I feel like that could lend itself to I, music. I really well. like that. I can't wait. Okay, let's let's do repetitive cries. I can, I can and, hear uh, just the moment you said that. I could hear the repetitive <laughs> cries. <laughs> oh man. Well, wait. this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate your uh, your patience in setting this up with the time differences and everything. And um, yeah, is there is there anything you want to scream from the modular mountaintops or anywhere you want to direct people before we sign off? Yeah, I mean, if you're interested in the ramblings you've heard from me so far, then I do have internet presence of sorts, I guess. There's uh, I I post things on Instagram. I've I tr I try to make videos that are uh, interesting and fun and educational on YouTube and you can hear the music on Spotify I guess and then on Bandcamp under the record label Metronomicon Audio who also have a lot of other really great music uh, you can find my uh, my music released in circuit board format I guess yeah Oh yeah, I've got yeah. I've got a web page. So if you want to see the installations, there's like a 3D interactive like cyber world dimension you can enter to oh, like nice. see it in 3D. And of course, all of that will be in the the show description. So uh, hmm. yeah, just go click those links. Right on. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. Thank I you. Really appreciate it. Yeah, me too. It's gonna... been an honor. Uh, I've uh, really enjoyed listening to the podcasts that I've uh, been listening to of yours recently as well. So it's really cool to finally uh, be on the show. All right, that's our show. Thank you so much to Daniel, a.k.a. Captain Credible, for coming on the show. Links in the show description for all the stuff that we talked about. Thank you to all the sponsors. Now let's get into Repeating Cries, this week's patch challenge from Captain Credible. Until next week. <laughs> <laughs>